Blog Talk. Greetings, I'm Ellen Rohr. At Bare Bones Biz, we believe that your business can be a path to peace, prosperity, and freedom. Sound good? Great. Welcome to the Bare Bones Biz Radio Show. Hey, if you just want to make some more money, you've come to the right place too. On my show, I invite smart business builders to share success tips and tell their inspiring tales of challenge and triumph. So, saddle up, Biz Builder. The Bare Bones Biz Radio Show starts right now. Hey, what do you think of that, Dan? Saddle up. Better slick. <laughs> Got my hat on. <laughs> well, welcome to the Bare Bones Biz Radio Show. And for the next almost hour, I'm going to knock us off uh, about five minutes of, Dan. Um, but you and me, we're going to visit, you and I are going to visit. I've got to watch my grammar and my uh, use of punctuation during our call today because we're going to be talking about reading and writing and how transformative these activities can be and have been in my life and in your life, I know. So this is certainly a shared passion for us. And let me do a little housekeeping before we dive right in, Okay. We have a switchboard here, and this is kind of fun. I am seeing the switchboard fill up. If you want to call in, you can. And the call-in number is 347-637-2284. So if you're listening online, that's great. If you want to ask a question, you have to call in, but no problem. And, Dan, it's funny because I'm seeing um, Long Island area codes light up the switchboard here. So I think you have some of your... uh, compatriots from Long Island joining you on the call today, oh, which is great. fun. One and if you have a... Oh, oh, sorry. We let me do the housekeeping, and, and then we'll, we'll tackle. Uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you loose. Okay. Um, if you want to ask a question, you can raise your hand. And to raise your hand, if you're on the phone, just press the number one, and you can interrupt us. I'll keep an eye out on the switchboard now and then, so just be patient. And if I see your hand up, I'll call on you, and Dan and I will um, will interrupt what we're talking about to have you join the conversation, which makes it so much more fun and interesting. One other housekeeping item at barebonesbiz.com. Woohoo! We're having a thank you sale. We're so grateful for you. And uh, if you want to take 20% off of anything you want to buy at barebonesbiz.com, there is a coupon. Go to barebonesbiz.com and uh, – no, I lost the, the coupon number. Oh, I'll, I'll get that in just a second. <laughs> if you click on the uh, e-zine page, the coupon is on the e-zine, and then I'll make sure that we get the, the coupon number before the end of the show. Well, that wasn't very pre- well prepared, was it, Dan? I thought it was you know well I have that coupon somewhere. <laughs> a great deal on the stuff. Great deal on the stuff, 20% off. But I learned so much about being of service and becoming a better and better communicator because of you and because of what you taught me. And I'm just so happy to have you on the on the show today so that um, we can uh, uh, kibitz a little bit about books and reading and writing. And I want to start by telling our story, how we met today. Sure. Okay. Oh, in the meantime, I did find the coupon code. This is so easy. If you go to barebonesbiz.com and you buy anything, it will ask you for a coupon code. And fill in the coupon code BBB, that stands for Bare Bones Biz, BBB20, 20% off. BBB20 is the coupon code, and it's good for the rest of November as a thank you gift. So, okay, Dan. I'm going to tell the story. I don't even know if you remember this about how I met you. You weren't even there. How about that? 
But Hot Rod handed me a copy of a plumbing magazine, and he said, you got to read this article. And I look down, and I see your picture, and I notice that it's about uh, steam heat. This article is going to be um, uh, helping people understand steam heat, and I, I think I say quite sarcastically, oh, I can't wait to read this article. So I take him at his word because he doesn't, uh, um, you know Hot Rod doesn't use words in a flippant way. If he says something, he usually means it. Mm -hmm. So I read the article and I laughed out loud, and it was the article about when you went to visit a college on one of the college tours for one of your girls, and you went with her and, and the lovely and you discovered all these fantastic steam radiators in this old building. I, I don't know if it was St. Mary's or what school you went to tour, but I laughed out loud for two and a half pages. And that's when I said, who is this guy? I can't wait to meet him. And that's uh, that started the ball rolling for us all becoming friends. That was my oldest daughter, Kelly, when she was moving from uh, Catholic grade school into high school. And here on <laughs> Long Island, you, you, know, you, you get to pick the high school, and it's hard to get into. It's kind of like college. And uh, she had her eye on this little school up on the North Shore where all the rich people live, and, and we went up there to look at it. And I was just captivated by the radiators and the and the steam traps, and you know, told her that this was my choice because she would be real comfortable here. <laughs> and she was mortified, and you know, but the other dads were getting into it. So, but that's the that's the art of the of the tiny tale. You know, you and I both know we have to write in these little spaces that they give us in the magazines, and. Uh, you know, you, you have maybe twelve to fifteen hundred words, and we have to get in and tell the tell the story and get out and you know, capture people's attention in the first couple of sentences, and then lead them through and finish the thing. and And that's a that's a learned art, I think. It's it's not easy to do. You know, it's it's easier to write long than it is to write short. But, well, um, you you make it look so easy, and uh, that I know you've taught me um, so much about about writing, and my writing is all the better for it. I'm not the world's greatest writer, but I am perhaps one of the world's most appreciative readers and appreciators of uh, uh, great writing. And what you do is you just do so so very well. So let me do this. I want to uh, help the 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 callers and the um, the listeners out a little bit. Be sure to visit Dan. If you don't know Dan, um, you're one of like three people on the planet who don't. But you can meet him at heatinghelp.com. That's Dan's website. And if you feel more comfortable kind of following along, I put a little um, a bullet point list of discussion uh, discussion topics for us today. And uh, if you go to barebonesbiz.com and you click on the, the radio show link there, you'll find um, the, the bullet points. And, Dan, I'm going to use these just as a... a uh, rough signposts along the path of our conversation today because this is interesting. Yes, reading and writing is always going to make for good conversation, but it can be profitable. And using reading and writing as a way to develop your own communication skills and sales skills can make you a more powerful business owner or employee. It's certainly you know, more capable in whatever it is that you decide to do in this lifetime. So there's more to it than just the, the entertainment value when it comes to reading and writing. Mm-hmm. I want to share a couple of tips, too, that you taught me that I don't want to neglect to mention. One of the things you taught me is to write to one person. You know, we have this idea that we're going to write for a magazine or we're going to put our blog out there and people are going to be so fascinated. Millions of them are going to flock to our our websites and read every word. 
Well, even if that's true, and that is fantastic if that happens, even if that's true, reading is a private and personal affair. And so talk to me a little bit about the voice that you use, because it always, well, it always sounds like your voice, but how did you make that connection in your own life to talk in your writing as if you were talking to just me? Did you know that all along, or did you discover that? I've always written this way. I mean, my mother would show me things that I wrote when I was a kid, and it sounded like the stuff that I write now. I mean, the stuff that I wrote in in school, in high school or whatever, it sounds like this. And to me, it's always just been talking on paper because uh, you're so right. When I when I sit down to write an article to, uh, you know, for a contractor magazine or for a wholesaler magazine, I've got one person in my mind, and it's not a, it's not a living person, but it's more of an amalgam of, of all the people that I've met that are in that side of the business. And I sit all by myself in a room where, where it's quiet, and I just tell this story as if that person were sitting across from me. And I just talk to him. And while I'm thinking it through, my fingers just make the words happen. And often stuff comes on that page that I didn't expect to see because it's a, it's a freaky feeling. You, you sometimes type things that, that you have no idea where they came from. You know, it might be a metaphor. It might be an analogy. But it just suddenly appears. And that's, that's, a, that's the joyful side of this. But that's I think that's just something that I've always been able to do. But... I've I've polished it over the years. I mean, you, you get better if you just keep doing it. But uh, but I only write to one person, and I think that's why if I go off on a business trip or I'm doing a seminar, people will come up to me and say that they feel like they know me. And mm-hmm. that's because I've told them so much about my family and my kids and my wife and places we go and things that we do. And, and I share this with the reader as as because the reader is, in my mind, and always has been, far more important than the writer. Because I know everything that I, you know, everything I know technically or, or, or business-wise is in my head. But as a writer, unless I get it out of my head and into the head of the reader in a way that's actually, where I've actually communicated, you know, not just not just made contact, but where they understood it, uh, then if, if I can't do that, then I'm useless. That's, that's why I say the reader is more important than the writer. You know, in the speaking situation, the person in the audience is more important than the person up front. And once you realize that, you begin to love your reader, and and that comes across. I hope, you know. You, but you you literally have to love that person that you're writing to, and write write to them like it's a a family member, a child. You know, the older I get, the more I find I'm writing to uh, as as I would write to my kids. You know, when I was younger, I would you know I'd be writing to my to my uh, elders, hoping that that they would accept me. Uh, but as I get older, it's more from the perspective of, of being an older man and just having lived long enough to hopefully gain some wisdom. And, you know, you try to bring that in. And I think, uh, you know, there's more to life than, than technical stuff and pipes and valves. There's the, there's the people that put that in. And that's what I've always tried to bring into my writing is the the people side of the business, because I think that that's, that's key. I mean, that's, that's what people remember. That's what sticks with you over time. Let let me um, um, uh, remind you, too, when I was first starting my writing career, well, you're the reason why I have a writing career, because um, once upon a time when Dan and I were writing, what would happen is my husband, who was not very interested in typing at the time, it's funny, once we got uh, Internet and email and all sorts of things, Hot Rod was motivated enough 
to want to express himself that he learned how to type. But before then, he didn't know how, and he had no interest in it. So he would have me type you letters. He would say, write down a letter and tell him this. And I go, oh, okay. And then that's how I kind of was the middleman a little bit. Once I, you know, read about your articles and Hot Rod made a reach out to you, then the three of us kind of became friends at the same time. And part of it is because I was doing the writing and channeling the message for Hot Rod. And you turned to me at one point and you said, I think you should write a column for Plumbing and Mechanical Magazine. Yeah. And I said, no, I, there's no way I can do that, and like a dozen good reasons. Now, I make fun of people like me all the time for just those kinds of reactions to good ideas, and uh, no, you kept after me. And so you you uh, inter- introduced me to Heather, and she hired me and then quit like two days later. So that was a little disconcerting, too. I don't know if you remember that. I thought, I is, does anybody else know that I work there now? You know, I had no idea. And uh, I wrote my first columns, and you were so sweet. You and Jim Olstensky were really sweet to, to help me become um, uh, a better writer. You're not J- Jim would pick on me on those endless clauses that I would put before the noun and the verb and all sorts yeah. of uh, you know run-on sentences and some rookie mistakes that, that you guys helped me out with. But what got me to do it, what got me to say yes was you made me aware that my voice was going to be of service, that there was going to be another plumber. Oh, I'm crying talking about this. There was going to be another plumber's wife who had struggled like I had struggled and that I would be an important person to know. And that got me, you know, out of my fear of it. You know, that oh, maybe I do have something to share, and maybe I could give someone some hope and some, uh, you know, tools that they could use to improve their lives, and that's really what got me off the dime. And I think that that's important for our, our listener today, Dan, is that everybody has something to share, and reading and writing can be a way for you to communicate that, especially with these fabulous tools that we have have now. Because you could write in any genre and you could write about anything that you want to write about but you chose heating and the world of heating is a place to grow your your skills and to deliver your talent so maybe talk to our listener today about how they might discover what it is that they have to share and why it's so important to share that well first let me say that you were you were a natural i mean i i saw that in the letters that you sent you you just know it you could just turn a phrase and you could just see it and and uh I was delighted when you decided to uh, write for the same magazine that I was in because we needed you. We needed that. We needed a, a voice that was saying what you were saying, particularly on the subject you were t- you were writing about at the time, which is business. We didn't have that, so thank you for that. We've, we've we've moved on in life, but uh, but it's still you know it's it's one of the best memories I have, and and uh, and Olstinsky's one of the best editors in the world. I mean, he's just absolutely. And 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 remains and remains so even though I'm not working with him anymore. But I I do miss him. But uh, well, he's, this is the thing we all we're it's one big table, Dan. We've just changed seats. Yeah, I know it's it's the Hotel California actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that I think anybody's capable of of telling their story because they do it every day. If you're at a family thing and somebody says how was your week, or or if you're meeting somebody for the first time and they say so what do you do. Everybody's got a story. It's you know it's a it's a good story too. I mean I'd, I'd love to listen to people tell it to me and whatever it is, and they'll say, well, well, I'm not a writer, and I say, well, you're writing right now. All you have to do is 
type what you're saying, and that's that's your story. But I think you need to begin by doing what you love. You know, when my kids were small, they would say to me, Daddy, what should I be when I grow up? And I'd, I'd counsel them and say, first you have to figure out what you would do for free, and that's what you should do. And the second thing you have to do is figure out how to get paid doing that. Mm-hmm. And they'd laugh at that, and they'd say, well, you know, how do you do that? I said, well, the, well, the, the hard part is the first part. That's the part where you have to figure out what you would do for free. you got to love it that much that, that you get up in the morning and you say, I can't wait to get at this. I, I can't wait to go to work. Because how many people do we know that spend their lives just being miserable, you know, hating their boss, hating their job, and, and hating to go off to work? And life shouldn't be like that. It should be joyous. And and uh, if if you feel in that way, if you're pursuing a career, then you got something to say. But particularly nowadays where anybody could be a writer because we have blogs, we have the Internet, we have Twitter, we have Facebook, all these things. I mean, everybody literally is becoming a writer. Uh, when I was growing up, I had to take a course in high school to learn how to type. Now everybody just seems to know how to type right out of the womb. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Little kids can type. But in in everything that you're doing, whether you're texting or or Facebooking or tweeting, I mean, you're, you're writing. So that's that's the key is that uh, if you can merge that into your business, whether it be on your website or in, in newsletters that you're sending out to people or just, just blogging, this is how you can get ahead in business by becoming more of an individual to a person who is your customer. And you I do think, that. too, that... You know, Sorry. as as the internet is so um, impersonal in a lot of ways, that by writing from your own voice and writing as if you're talking to that one person who you've got pictured in your office or across the the, the table from you, then in this sea of anonymity and all these kind of generic voices, your voice can be found and people may be magnetized to that. Certainly, that's how I feel about you. I mean, there's. There's other places to go get that information, but I want to hear Dan's take on it. And I think so many of your loyal readers feel the same way. Well, thanks. You're um, welcome. <laughs> I'm just while, while you're talking, I'm thinking about um, Seth Godin, who is is a marketing guy, uh-huh. and Seth has got a web- guy. Yeah, yeah. Seth is probably one of the most brilliant marketers ever, and he talks about building tribes and in doing so you're not trying to lead this thing you're just trying to attract people around you and then you're going to listen to them and you're going to learn from them and you're going to be a part of that tribe but you're not going to lead it and i I think if if you want to see a good example of this it would be heatinghelp.com you know which is certainly something that that i started but it doesn't need me it the whole thing revolves around the people that that come to it and pretty much run it every day and I'm a small part of that, but I just pop in as, as another member of it. But Seth writes a blog every single day, and I get this thing first thing in the morning at 6 a.m. It's only about 300 words typically. I mean, you could read the thing very quickly, and it's provocative. I mean, every single day this guy sends me something that is just is just going to make me think, and it's free. You know, anybody can get this. and. And there's a great example of, of somebody that just comes out of the blue with his ideas and just built this enormous tribe around himself. And when he has something to sell, he just says, well, here it is, and people line up to buy it. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a great example. of, And then just, just the discipline of a few words and getting your voice out there. And you can do this with a, um, a blog, and the technology is making it so much easier. I love what you said, too, about just creating the conversation. And you're a member of the conversation, but you're not leading it. People want it, want you to weigh in, but HeatingHelp.com is absolutely that anymore. It's just a place that you've created that guys can come, guys and gals can come and share thoughts and opinions and it's loosely based on heating, hence heatinghelp.com, but it does tend to go in all sorts of directions, but it's a community, absolutely, and it feels real and the conversation feels real because of the voice you initiated with with that. Let's talk before we I want to talk about writing a little bit more, but I think certainly reading is the 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 yin yang of this whole conversation is reading and writing and it's it's because i'm a good reader that i realize i'm a an okay writer but there is so much inspiration and joy and entertainment to be had from and knowledge um to be had you know just by becoming a good reader and then that absolutely can improve anyone's writing even if you're not going to be Steinbeck who's my all-time favorite writer maybe next to you. Um the uh uh um the the process of reading helps you understand the effect that the written word has and helps you become a better writer as well. So let's jump into to um reading a little bit. Let me point out, dear listener, if you go to heatinghelp.com and you click on the resources button, I think this is the very best reading list I've ever seen and as a voracious reader that's uh, saying something. I love, love, love Dan's taste in books, and it's all over the map, this reading list. So there's references, there's uh, technical uh, books, and uh, there's fiction and nonfiction and business help and just pure joy and entertainment. And uh, as uh, we were going to meet today, I thought maybe you and I could go down some of our favorite books of all time. As I say that, Dan, why don't you share one or two or three of your favorite books of all time and and why? Oh, boy. It's putting you on the spot. (laughs) It's like saying, which wife do you like the best? I know. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I I love the the historical novels, and, I mean, there's, there's one on here that just stays with me, and it's called Winter's Tale. And this was oh, I have not read a, that. A novel. It's a big novel. I mean, you could you can keep the door open with this thing. But it's written by a man named uh, Mark Halperin, and it's it's a bit of a it, it, it's a story about New York and it, it takes place in the winter and it takes place over hundreds of years. And there was a a, a fellow named Royce Royce Ekas who put me onto this and he wrote to me and said, I can't believe this book is not on your list, and I had, I had never heard of it. And when, when somebody says that to me, the first thing I do is buy the book and read it, see mm-hmm. what they're talking about. So I, I read this, and I, I I fell in love with this, because what this author does is he plays with time in a way that has you wondering in some parts, you know, how he's how he's evoking these emotions in you, because he, he moves this story through hundreds of years, and yet the characters from the earlier part in the book reappear in, in modern times, and yet the things around them are are old. But he, it, it, it's very hard to describe. You kind of have to experience the book. But it's it's one that that touches your soul and stays with you, and it's beautiful. But uh, I think that that's to me the mark of a good book. It's the stuff that you remember. You know, I, I love to read the uh, 
the action adventure books too. But but it's it's like eating cotton candy. You know, you could read, uh, you know, <laughs> you could read a dozen of them and not remember the plot line in any of them. But you can't put them down when you're reading them. Well, so you know, I've become uh, more selective, and I think this is because I'm I'm getting older. I'm yeah. now this will make you laugh too. I count on other people to screen books for me, and you are one person who does. My sister Gail, she reads at least a book a week, and she'll screen books for me too. If she doesn't, you know, give it at least a a B plus, I'm just not going to pick it up. And another thing I'll do that I didn't used to do is if I'm not enjoying a book or I don't like it or I don't get it, I don't have to finish it anymore. And that was kind of liberating because I don't know where that got this got ingrained. might be my Catholic school upbringing somewhere, but for a while I thought I had to finish every book I started. Yeah. And that can be burdensome, especially if you're stuck in one you hate and you kind of you know are wasting time then. Life's too short. If you don't like the book or you don't get it, no matter how well-received it is by other people, you can put it down and start another one. Yeah, I, I start each year attempting to read a hundred books. Oh, that's awesome. And I keep a I keep a a diary it's not a journal, but it's just a list of the books that I keep in a in a notebook and it's I just start to number them and uh, the title and the author and the day that I finished it. And if it's if it's good enough I'll I'll add it to the list that's on our website. But you know, I'll set out to read a hundred books and, and you can do that by taking advantage of things like Audible dot com, which is you know, a, a website that has actors reading the full unabridged books and also a Kindle and you know Kindle is an electronic tool that brings books to your iPhone to your computer uh, so I'm literally never away from a book you know if if I've got an iPhone when I'm driving I'm listening to a to a book being read to me on Audible when I wait online for Marianne to finish shopping I'm reading a book on Kindle and and the technology is so magnificent because when you stop wherever you are, you pick up another device. You know, if I'm home and I pick up an iPad, the same uh, book in the same spot that I was reading on my iPhone is there waiting for me on the Kindle or on the iPad. So wherever you are, this stuff is just, you're never without it. And it's not a burden to carry it because you're not carrying big heavy paper books anymore. So you can have uh, just every spare moment that you have, wherever you are, you you read. And I think writers have to read. If you don't read, you're you're going to fall behind because what what you get from the books is not just the story, but these these techniques like I, I mentioned in Winter's Tale, and also the metaphors, which are wonderful. You know where they compare one thing to another. You know, a rose is a rose, or, or you know, he was as fat as a and, you know fill in the blank. But how many uh-huh. the blank and and that's the delight in it. And I and I keep I keep a diary of those things. I've got a a working notebook of all these wonderful metaphors that just pop up, and I've been saving those for years and years, and the list is long. And whenever I need ideas for columns or, or whatever, if I need to get a word image or, or a mental picture of something, all I have to do is go to this this lengthy list of metaphors that I've collected and just scroll down them, and, and it's it's like watching the fireworks on the 4th of July. It just explodes in your head with, with all these different gorgeous words. That, you know, well, that word. was a good metaphor there, like the Fourth yeah, of July. Well, and you know, I never I... used to use—I never used to use that at all. And now I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm kind of got some stilted efforts to, to uh, create some metaphors because they are so powerful. And I started recognizing them in your writing and other people's writing as, you know, how 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 well they work. One of the things that taught me that, and this will tie into reading and writing for fun and profits, 
know, everything in uh, in life is sales and communication. I mean, we need these skills to get through the day to be successful. And I went to one of your seminars, same, same basic, you know, eye-rolling uh, uh, um, first response. Do you want to go to one of Dan Hallahan's seminar? Oh, yeah, maybe we can meet him for dinner after, but what am I going to, you know, do during the seminar all day? And you taught me so much, but it was through the use of these metaphors. So even as you write and you, uh, you know, pick up things as you read, you you taught me how a circulator works like a Ferris wheel, not like we're pushing anything, but it's actually displacing the 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 the, the cars are displacing each other as they they move around the the um, main point, the hub of the Ferris wheel. And you taught me that if you release the pressure on a soda bottle, it'll get air in it, and that's how that that's how air gets into closed systems too. I look, listen to me talk, and you taught me that only because of the metaphor. Yeah, that's the stuff that stays with you because you're, te- you're taking what somebody knows and you're attaching something new to what they already know. And and you know anybody can imagine what you're describing, but if you use the word pictures, it'll stay with them. So that's that's part of the art of teaching. But that that comes to you from the reading, and and to write you must read. It's, well, let no- me ask you a, 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 another question about reading. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this is so, but most business books are horribly written. Horribly written, and they could yeah, be right. so much shorter. But having said that, um, I don't usually look to business books for the literature, but I do have some business books that have absolutely blown my mind. Why don't you share one or two business books that you've got on your reading list or that have really stuck with you over the years? There's there's one that we just finished that I, I say we being the, the daughters and me that uh, – <laughs> uh, I believe it's I'm trying to find it here on the uh... Well as you do If you can multitask like this You were talking right before we got on the, the call today About a personal MBA That you're doing with um, Aaron And are some of the uh, some of your other daughters uh, Joining in Yeah no just Aaron and me uh, She's my youngest but this And she works with us So uh, this, is a, this is a website called PersonalMBA.com And it's started by a fellow Who doesn't believe that you need to go to college to get an MBA, that you're better off reading these books and getting the concepts and the ideas from the books. And, oh, here it is. This is this is one that just moved me so much because I wish that I had read this when I was 20. This, this is written for 20-somethings, and it's called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And the author is uh, Ramit Sethi, R-A-M-I-T-S-E-T-H-I. And this is a guy that just takes somebody who's just out of college and says, okay, here's how you do it. And you would love this book because it's all the stuff that you try to teach people about in later years that they didn't learn. I mean, if everybody that's coming out of school would read this book, they would be so much better off. So that's that's one of the best business books I've ever seen because he just, he just lays it out for you, you know, how to how to manage money, how to how to not screw up, and and, uh, and it's great. There's, there's another one on the list called The Millionaire Next Door. Yeah. And this is, I, this now, is if book. you can hear me typing in the background, it's because I'm adding it to Amazon.com. Now, isn't that the world's greatest thing, that as someone makes a recommendation, you can just pull it up and add it to your shopping cart, Yeah, which is super sweet. And so I'll teach you to be rich, and the, the subtitle on that is like no no BS, no guilt, no no guilt, no excuses, no BS, just a six-week program that works. I love, love, love everything about that. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> and, and The Millionaire Next Door is, is, is about the people that have, actually managed to save money and, and what these 
studies have shown is these are the people you would never suspect to be millionaires because they're not flashing it. And he makes this comparison to people that go out and they, uh, you know, they just work in hand to mouth. You know, the rich doctors and lawyers who can't afford to retire because they got to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about the people that just kind of know how to use their money better. So this just great business books that that kind of keep you from going down the wrong path. Um, let me share a couple that I that really had an uh, an impact on me. One is um, Time to Make the Donuts by uh, Bill Rosenberg, mm-hmm. and he's the Dunkin' Donuts dude. And I love, love, love biographies of successful business owners. And one of the things that I find over and over again with super successful people is they're not the brightest guys in the room. They're not the brightest guys. I, I remember a quote once from, and I'm going to, I'm going to um, paraphrase this quote, and it's by Robert Jarvik, the guy who created the artificial heart. Yeah. And he said, leaders are visionaries with no idea of the odds against them. And something yeah. like Bill Rosenberg is so perfect like that. And, you know, Ray Kroc's story, grinding it out, he wrote an autobiography, and there's another biography about him called McDonald's Behind the Arches, which reads like a Tom Clancy novel. I love, love, love that book. But in you know, with Ray Kroc and with um, Bill Rosenberg, what kept you know um, hitting me over the head was that these guys weren't that bright. If they had been, they would, look, would have looked farther down the chessboard and saw that what they were trying to do was absolutely impossible. Yeah. But they didn't know better, so they just did what was in front of them. They they got a, an idea of what they really wanted to have happen, and then they just did the next thing. You know, the next challenge that came in front of them, they handled that, and then that, and then that. Because those things never stop happening. But I so often in my own life, because I'm a pretty smart chick, and then I recognize this so much in my clients, is that we talk ourselves out of what we really, really want because – Somebody said it's going to be hard, or we can see all these challenges in front of us. Where if we weren't that bright, it would be a lot easier. Yeah. So, and you know, um, uh, another great um, business book. I've got some issues with it, just the way it lays the the it it communicates some of its uh, uh, concepts. But even that makes for good conversation. But Robert Kiyosaki wrote a really good book called The Four Quadrants, which is even more better, even more better. It's better than the um, Rich Dad Poor Dad book. Rich Dad Poor Dad kind of introduces the the theories, not unlike um, the Millionaire Next Door. That, you know, rich people think and act differently than poor people. And poor people can sometimes look like rich people, except for if you really saw their balance sheets, you'd realize they're up to their eyeballs in debt and they're barely getting by. And uh, um, they're, you know, one one slip away from losing everything. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, Robert Kiyosaki's books are great. But the um, the best one, I think, is the cash flow quadrant. So I would add that to our list today, too. But why don't you talk a little bit more about the, the personal MBA program? How did you and Aaron decide to do it? What are you getting out of it? How do, how do you how do you uh, engage the program? She she found it. It's a it's a website, and she just wrote and said, "I'm gonna, you know I'm going to do this because uh, graduate school is expensive, and you know I don't want to go do that." So uh, it's 99 books. So it's it's quite a commitment. But they're, uh, they they range from productivity and effectiveness to the human mind to communications, decision making, uh, entrepreneurship, value creation and design and, and so on. And uh, what we did was we just made a spreadsheet and turned it into a Google document, 
And as we read a book, we just put notes in there, what we thought of it and, you know, what we've read and what we haven't read or, or in what library we're going to find this. You know, she lives in Washington, D.C. So we uh, we just go at it and then we talk about it. So I'm about a third of the way through the list, and she's got um, she, she's she's about the same, I'd say. So we've got we've got a ways to go, but the books are just changing the way we uh, we do everything. Oh, that's so fun! So do you pick the same one at the same time? We we started out doing that. We said let's read this particular book together, and then we uh, we we got to a point where we you know our you know she says well I'm sick of reading about this particular topic, so I'm going to move over to here. So then we just went our own way, but we, we bounce back and forth, and I'll come back to her and say, this is a real good one, you should do this one next, and she'll do the same. So we've got a book club of two, and we're sharing that, but it's, uh, but it, but it's a neat way to, uh, to do it, and, and uh, I'm enjoying it. I mean, it's, it's, it's just something to think about every day. You know, now that you say that, too, I remember um, Ruth King and yeah. her daughter – we're working through, oh, I, I'm going to sound like uh, <laughs> an illiterate as I say this, but there's a Harvard recommended reading list or like the, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Have it's you heard a, of that? Yeah, I, it reminds me of, uh, there's a lifetime reading plan Yeah. Uh, by uh, Clifton Fadiman, and that's that's something I picked up when I was about 20, and it's it's a book. It's about an inch thick, and it's nothing but books in there. And it just says, "Okay, these are the these are the books that you must read while you're on the planet." And and it's it's Greek philosophy, it's it's huge novels, it's it's just it, it's the classic liberal arts education just done on your own. And I've been hacking away at that for my whole life, it seems. And well, you just, Dan, you also collect um you collect old books too, right? I collect old heating books. I probably have several hundred books here in my office that go back a couple hundred years, some of them. I mean, some of these goes back to the 1700s, but uh, it's it's kind of a the stuff that I draw from when I'm writing, you know, and I need to have history. When, you know, when, when did they invent the radiator and who did that and how did that happen? You know, I can look that up in a book. But it, it's also a connection to, uh, you know, what I call the dead men. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of keeps you humble because all these people in their own time were, were quite famous and nobody remembers them now. I mean, I'm probably the only guy that's got an office full of these people. So, so you know, Mr. Big Shot Writer. <laughs> it keeps you very grounded. You but there's, so a, there's an art form to these older books because, first off, they smell fantastic. Yeah. And um, I started collecting some, and I have a pretty modest collection so far, but this is a fun collection, and I can see this will take me the rest of my life. And uh, it always draws me into a user in old bookstore. But I started collecting, like, primers, you know, basic mm. books about anything, about mathematics or wiring or about how to ride a horse or, you know, those kinds of books. They, they, they don't make them anymore, and they certainly don't take the, the, the same. It's, it's a different technology as far as the pictures and the, the etchings and the sketches and the diagrams, and certainly with these heating books. I mean, you'll never see charts like that again, and someone painstakingly put those things together. It is it is really amazing. But it also reminds us that you can learn anything from books. I mean, that's 
that's where the the data is. That's where the information is. If you wanted to figure out how an engine worked or a pump or a horse or a man, <laughs> you know, there are books that will teach you how to do that. So there's, you know, the entertainment value, there's the sheer beauty of of the words and and the descriptions and and all the the that art form that you'll find in books as well as then here's how to do things here's how to speak another language here's how to you know fix something that's broken all those things can happen hey let let me just remind folks you and I are 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 uh, convincing and I'm getting so involved in this conversation that I neglected to remind those folks who have called in if you want to raise your hand and say, I'd like to talk to Dan, or I have a question, press the number one, and that will uh, alert me, and I'll interrupt us. And, Dan, that may or may not happen, so we're just going to we're gonna carry on. Okay. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, new technology. I mean, reading, we've got more tools to play with, and let me ask a couple questions at once, and then I want you to kind of dive in here. Sure. My, um, you know, I can communicate with my nephew, who's nine years old, because he has a phone and he knows how to text. And so he also knows how to type. But like you said, I think they were born, kids are born typing now. Yeah. But on the other hand, text speak is what we primarily use. So we don't use the word A-R-E anymore. We use the letter R. And some of this is disconcerting. Some of it's pretty exciting. But is technology helping or hurting as we learn and we read and we write, what are the pros, what are the cons? Why don't you just expand on that thought a little bit? I, I think the um, the need to learn grammar, if, if you're going to be in business, is still important because it kind of indicates whether you like whether you like it or not, people are going to judge you by that. You know, if you're mm-hmm. a professional and you're, you know, if you're an engineer and you're sending out proposals that, that have misspellings in them, people are going to say, well, if his, if his work is that, if his letter is that sloppy, what's his work going to look like? Or same thing with a contractor. But uh, uh, I read something the other day that that cracked me up because they were talking about this trend toward not using capitals anymore. Everything gets typed in a lower text, particularly when texting or when using Gmail or whatever. And they uh, they use it as an example of how things could be misunderstood. The sentence, "I helped my uncle Jack off a horse." <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, Jack needs to be capitalized. <laughs> That's the whole eat, shoots, and leaves yeah, exactly. uh, concept with <laughs> punctuation and, and grammar. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like anything else. I think once you learn the right way and, and know that there are times when you have to use the right way, it's it's perfectly fine to go text and, you know, how are you, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just the letters. I mean, you get it. It's communication. And, and the, the English language is such a wonderful thing that eventually it will be adopting those things as real words anyway. It's, it's a living language. Well, it seems to do that. Oh, gosh, you know, I asked for questions and I got a slew of them. Could I interrupt you a moment? Are you ready? I am. Okay, let me uh, 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 pull up a caller here. Hello, dear caller. Your phone number is, uh, the last word for numbers are 5266. You want to say hi? Hi there, Ella. This is Brad Martin. Oh, hi, Brad. You sound like you're from outer space. Well, but I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> it's good to talk to you. Raceway Park. It's got a little bit of an echo, but I, if you if you ask the question, Dan, I'll make sure you can hear it, and then we'll repeat it if we need to. But thanks for for joining in today. Isn't it fun to visit with Dan? It is. It's a lot of fun. I have read his articles for years. 
and I love every one of them, and I'm envious of his riding talent. Uh, you know, I was asked, I was going to ask what kind of, uh, you know, electronic art form are we going to see in the industrial magazines that we're not seeing in the future? I mean, that we will see in the future. Rather than just the publication. What kind of electronic magazines are we going to see? I think, um, boy, that's that's a good question. I I think that the now I before think... you get started, Brad, thanks for calling, but I'm going to mute you because there's some kind of a, a echo going on with your um, with your connection. It just happens in the internet world, and I apologize for that. Okay. I'm going to turn you back into a mute and love, 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 and thanks for for calling in. Good talk. And then if if Dan doesn't answer your question. Um, uh, uh, raise your hand again. Okay. 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 Thanks. Let me turn. Let me turn that off and uh, see if I can. Um, I can uh, uh, save the call quality a little bit. But that's an interesting thought. You know, you and I now write for PHC News Magazine, and one of the reasons why I um, joined forces with those guys is that they're um, young and excited about new technology, and there is this multimedia approach to learning and communicating that's evolving. What do you see coming down the pike? I I, I think print is going going away. Uh, I know I know the magazine people will argue with me about that, but I'm just watching kind of worldwide what's going on with, with advertising and, and that's what supports these things and and uh but to me the future is electronic. I mean there's there's more and more people that are just getting their news off of their phones. And I mean, I'm I'm one of them. You know, uh-huh. I, I get up in the morning and I just turn on electronic things, and that's how I get. You know, the newspaper doesn't arrive here anymore. So, uh, I think in in the trades, it's probably slower to come because we've got people in the trades that are just slower to change in many cases and and res- resist this. But I think the more involved they get with the internet, uh, the more we're going to be seeing things just going out electronically. It just it makes good business sense. Well, um, we were talking today at Bare Bones Biz that, you know, I teach people how to put a business plan in a binder, and I said, well, I, I really think we need to figure out a, a, a way to do the same thing but have it iPad-friendly so that you're flipping through those pages on the iPad. I look at that commercial, and I think that just would be so much cooler, sitting next yeah. to Warren Buffett on the plane, and you show them your business plan on your iPad versus the binder. Nothing wrong with the binder because it's still written and it moves thought into to physical form. It's a fantastic tool. But there are cooler ways for us to communicate anymore, and I think you are kidding yourself to think that you don't have to hop on the bandwagon. Yeah. Speaking yeah, I- of that, with the with the time we have left, Suppose someone's listening today and he's inspired or she's inspired to, okay, I think I have something to say. I want to get started as a writer. What advice would you give? How how can we get go, go, going on this? Uh, sit down and write. Write is okay. right. Write is right every day. Uh, stop talking about it and just, and just do it. <laughs> One of my favorite uh, quotes was from James Michener who wrote those enormous novels uh, historical based novels you know about space or about about um Poland or whatever and you know he he wrote these thousand page books and he said everybody would like to have written a book but very few people want to actually do it and that's you know there's truth to that cuz it's hard work it really it takes uh, takes a long time but uh 
not everybody has to start out with a book. It's you know, it would be like saying I want to get in shape, so let me go run a marathon tomorrow. You know, even though uh-huh. I've never jogged. But if 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 you want to write, you, you journal. There are uh, one of the books that that's on that list of uh, for the personal MBA is called On Writing Well, and it's by William Zisner, who who writes nonfiction, and he's a he's one of America's treasures, and and um, Z i n s s e r, on writing well. That's a classic book, and it's about writing memoir. And he he talks about the uh, the elements that make for effective writing, and they are clarity, simplicity, economy, and humanity. Those four things, and that, that just stays with me because that's oh. that's essence of everything. Is you have to love the reader and clarity, simplicity, economy, and humanity. And and his book has a, a Big section on writing memoir, which which anybody can do. You you just sit down and you tell a story that happened in your life. You know, one day when your when your mother was dying or you know your child was born, and you don't have to begin at the beginning of your life. Just begin anywhere and just and just sit alone. Get up early. You know, get up an hour earlier than you usually do. Sit alone and just write it. And don't expect it to be the finished version because. I mean, I, any, anything I've ever written, I wrote five times. That's 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 just the way it works. You have a draft, and then you write four more times before it actually goes off to anywhere. But uh, but get it on paper. Stop talking about it. Just as they as we say in New York, shut up and do it. <laughs> shut up and do it. Um, I remember. Well, this this is my my tip to share today. It doesn't have to be the world's greatest book. You can take the pressure off a little bit. I remember when I was trying to get my first book out, which was really a quilted together series of articles. Right? Yeah. That's where the where did the money go? Where just I had just written all those different chapters really in articles and I and I stitched them together. But I was a little um intimidated with the idea of actually calling it a book and putting it out there. And Mark Victor Hansen, the chicken soup for the soul guy, told me, why don't you just publish it and then you could stand on its shoulders and make it better. Yeah, you otherwise can write it again, or you can do another one, and it was like, oh, that takes a lot of pressure off. Yeah, I I worked on uh, the Lost Art of Steam Heating, my first book, for years, and finally one day Alan Levy said to me, "When are you going to let this thing go?" And I said, "I'm not <laughs> done." He says, "They're going to publish it posthumously." <laughs> so he gave me a kick in the ass that I needed. So I thank. Yeah, him for that. that's good. You know, good enough. It doesn't have to be the the best words you ever said. It's kind of like spending. Um, uh, quality time with kids. People will say that you know you want to spend quality time. It's not the quantity of time you spend with kids. It's the quality of time. But anyone who's ever had kids knows that the quality time comes from quantity. You yeah. don't know when the quality moment's going to happen. Yeah, you just got to shut up and do it. Yeah, shut up and do it. <laughs> like that. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and um, unmute Brad just long enough uh, okay. to see if the connection's better and if we actually answered his question. And if you uh, if, if you're also on the line and you have a question, just um, press the number one and I'll I'll keep an eye out for you. Hey, Brad, can you hear us? I can. I can. I can. Oh, oh, okay. Still got the echo. <laughs> he sounds so important with that echo. It's like everything you say is so important that it echoes across the canyons of our minds. You know better than that. <laughs> no, it's thank true. you so much for reading me. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're very, very welcome. Thank you. Yay! Okay, let me uh, let me uh, uh, quiet Oz down from behind the curtain. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> Oz. <laughs> so, all right. What else do I did I want to uh, cover? Oh, you've got a reading list, and if I buy a book, you help a kid. Tell me about that. That is Amazon's. Uh, 
uh, referral pro not referral, but a, a, what do they call it, affiliate program. And the way that okay. works, if you buy a book off the list, you pay the same price as if you would buy off of Amazon if you went there directly. But Amazon pays us a little bit of money whenever somebody buys a book off that list. And then at the end of the year, we add all that up and we donate it to New York Cares, which is a nonprofit in the city that I'm involved with and have been for years. And it buys books for kids that live in homeless shelters so that they can learn how to read. That so we change in the world so one at a time. But uh, that, that's what that that's what that's all about. So we just take all the money from that and uh, and donate it. Well, I added to my list uh, Winter's Tale, and then that that one about I can uh, make you a rich person. Yeah, on writing okay. well. Okay, and I'll uh, I'll order them from your site so that we can we can help a kid with that too. Thank you. Yay! Well, Dan, it's always a pleasure. We've got like three minutes left. Is there anything, as you were planning to come to the call today, is there anything I thought, mm, I really want to share this today or anything that I've neglected to uh, bring up that we wanted to talk about? I was just looking forward to spending an hour with you, my friend. I thought you might say that. Cause we're and all these friends other forever. friends out there. I wish, I wish we were all in one space. I wish we were all sitting on a porch somewhere. I wish it were in South Jersey. Yeah, that would be nice. Which is my favorite place, and we barely missed each other this year. I know, I know. There were 36 of us in three houses in Ocean City, a couple, uh, 30 miles up the Garden State this year, just like we we didn't overlap a day, I don't think, as far as when you went down and when we went down. But um, we had all that family together, and you know what my proudest accomplishment was during those two weeks? I didn't get in a fight with anybody. That's amazing. Isn't it? Isn't that's, it? I had so much fun. <laughs> that's amazing. Write about it. <laughs> I will. I will. Um, and um, I, I just I can't thank you enough for what you've done for me and my family and my clients and my team and everyone who's involved with me because the better I am at writing and communicating, the more we, we um, can share the message of prosperity and freedom through extraordinary business, which is what drives us at barebonesbiz.com. Hey, just a reminder, I remembered the uh, coupon code is BBB20. So if you go to Bare Bones Biz today and you pick up one of my books, I write thin books with pictures in them that are supposed to be pretty helpful as far as helping you start, fix, or grow your own business. So go check that out. And definitely um, check out DansHeatingHelp.com, the website, for just a way to leverage. Every word on this is is written from Dan. Even as you describe the books here in a phrase or a sentence, your writing is absolutely lovely. And if you're so moved to buy one of these fabulous books on his reading list, then click through and uh, help a kid and uh, get some books into the hands of people who um, who really need them. Because if you can read, you can learn anything. So it's such a, it's a great. You can go anywhere. You can do anything, and it's such a great leveler. All the best to you and the lovely and all the girls and boys and useless son-in-laws. Give Hot Rod a hug. I will. When he comes back, he's in Chicago with Max today. He's at the Greenbelt show. Oh, right. That's right. Wonderful. And Max, you know what Max made me do? What? This happened yesterday. I've been the holdout. Swear off disposable plastic bottles, even recyclable plastic bottles. He said, "Get a cup out of the cupboard and get yourself a drink of water." And I have sworn now. The kid is the kid bleeds green. I tell you. That's nice. We just found out in New York today that our that our green bags that we use in the supermarket instead of the plastic have uh-huh. lead in them. 
<laughs> so let your children play with those. It's all good. Here, put this bag over your head. There you go. Well, darling, I'm going to let you go. 100%. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, you are Ellen. the best. Okay, Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Love, love, love. Thanks, readers. Love Thanks, you. Thanks, readers. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, no, we're out of time. Thanks to my super smart guest, and thank you for joining us. You can listen in again at blogtalkradio.com slash barebonesbiz. So down with the ball and chain of 20-hour workdays and piles of debt. Make some money. Fix and grow your own extraordinary business. And until next time, this is Ellen. I wish you love, peace, prosperity, and freedom.